It's FM 104 switched on. Kieran helping in for Louise this Thursday evening. Ireland, the call is there. There is something happening in the world of rugby. Not in the World Cup like we would like it to happen, but in the Six Nations where we have been strong the last number of years. We're going to chat rugby now for a little bit. It's two out of two for the Irish rugby team. And uh, Luke Delaney, he's been in attendance at one of those games and he's going to chat to me all about the Irish rugby scene at the minute in regards to the boys in green. Luke Delaney from the FM 104 News and Sports team. Hello, how are you? Here on House Teams. Thanks for having me on. Good. No, thank you very much for coming on. First of all, right, so not everybody gets to go to these games, right? And you you were lucky to go as a member of the FM 104 sports team. What's it like attending one of these big Six Nations games? Obviously, you're working, but the atmosphere still must be incredible for a big game like this. It's fantastic. And no matter how many games I go to or have done in the past, you still always get that buzz. I was always a, a big fan of any Irish team, regardless of the sport, but I was always very into the rugby, but... You know, I loved it. It was fantastic. I was out there very early. I did some Vox with a lot of the fans arriving to the stadium as well. And that's something that I think is so great to do. Get in the minds of them. And you can really sense the buzz, the atmosphere building. You know, the atmosphere has come under a bit of fire over the last couple of weeks as well in regards to people wanting tickets, not being able to get it. But the people that showed up was still great. It was fantastic to see the young fans there as well. So passionate and hopefully some uh, future Irish players as well. And what's it like then in the, the press area? Is is there a kind of a, a calm professionalism there? Or because it's the national team and a lot of the press are either the opponent's country or they're from Ireland themselves, is there a little bit of giddiness in, in, in the press room when Ireland are doing well? There absolutely is. And I think that contrast between, let's say, the Irish journalists and then the Italians is very different. I The shoe's been on the other foot for me when I've been at Irish football games. We welcomed some of the big boys, the Netherlands, the French to town. But, you know, the line of questioning, the feeling among the journalists, and I think that relationship to the team and to the coach is so strong. And you can really sense that when you're in the press conference, when you're in the mix zone, when you're actually just in the press box itself. So it's definitely a fantastic time to be in any way following the Irish rugby team, whether you're working at it like I was or whether you're a fan or involved as a member of staff with the team or one of the players. Yeah, it, it sounds like I've got to cover a couple of rugby games myself. And it is, it's an interesting atmosphere and I always love going. But from on the actual field itself, right? So Six Nations kicked off 2nd of February. Ireland got to travel to France, not play in the Stade de France because of the Paris Olympics and pretty much everything to do around the Stade de France is closed off and you can't get anywhere near it, right? With the Paris Olympics. They played in the uh, Stade Orange Velodrome, I think is the official name of the stadium in France. But they went over there, scored 38 points against the French and kicked off their Six Nations in an amazing fashion. Yeah, it was fantastic and it was something that no Irish fan I could imagine would have thought would happen. Coming off the back of that World Cup, it was such a long break. I know it was maybe three or four months. Felt like an eternity. And I'd say it did for the players as well. That heartbreak, another quarterfinal exit. And then what do you have to do next? You have to go all the way over to France for the very start of the Six Nations to defend your Grand Slam title, your Six Nations Championship. And just the job that they did over there was immense. I think it really just showed the belief that the players have within themselves to know that, you know, that could have been a blip, could have gone either way in the World Cup. But we still want to cement ourselves as the best team in the world. And the performance we put in over there, post-Jonathan Sexton era as well, a lot has to be said for that. Arguably our greatest player of all time without him. We've not known an Irish team without him for, you know, 12 or 13 years. So the performance that they put in was amazing and really got the Irish fans dreaming yet again. So talk to me a little bit about the loss of Jonathan Sexton at number 10. We seem to be doing okay without him, perhaps? Too early to say? 
I, I think oh, oh completely and I think it's the moment rugby fans around the country have dreaded perhaps for the past four or five years just because of his impact the demands he puts on other players how good he is in high pressure environments and moments we've seen him so many times whether that's in the blue jersey of Leinster the green jersey of Ireland he has always stepped up and, and been the main man but you know it seems to be the birth of another star boy in Jack Crowley his performance against France was was far from perfection but you know he made a couple of errors whether that be kicking whether that be passing but it was his reaction to those things and to still step up in the big moments landing some of them touchline conversion was amazing and then against Italy he was absolutely fantastic again I know a couple of conversions missed but ball in hand he's absolutely terrific he takes big hits the team seemed to be wanting the first 15-20 minutes fair hits but leaving a little bit extra in on him, see what he's made of. And, you know, he's soaking it all up, still a young guy and bags and bags of potential. But he's definitely softening the blow of post-Jonathan Sexton era as well, just from his performances. And, you know, the sky is the limit. A couple of the players were asked about him in the press conference afterwards. And, and James Lowe was saying that, you know, this guy can go so far. There's no, there's no limit to how far he can actually go in the game. So it's great to see Jack Crowley really performing now since we, we have no Johnny. Yeah, and he got across the whitewash as well um, in the first half, which is massive. Because in fairness to Sexton, he always gave you a couple of tries, uh, took massive hits. In fairness, Jack Crowley is pretty much like stepped right into his into his boots. I mean, Dan Sheehan, Jack Conan as well. Like they had Ireland ahead of the break. We'll move on to the the second game of the Six Nations now, which was the uh, first home game uh, against Italy. And generally, and I was talking to you in the office beforehand. I was saying to you, look, um, generally you play Italy game four or five, you're thinking, look, they're battered, they're bruised, this could be a big score. I didn't expect Italy not to score anything in this game, and Ireland in fairness, putting up a grand total of 36, plus 30 again for the second six nations in a row. We did incredibly well in this game. Did we take our foot off the gas towards the end? Possibly, you know, rake a change as Andy Farrell brought in, but this was a Ireland side that went out knew what they needed to do and they did it absolutely I think you hit the nail on the head there it could have easily probably been 50 plus but at the end of the day conceding zero it's the first time in 37 years that we have conceded nothing in a test match of rugby so I think that's an amazing feat especially arguably with you know you could some places call it a, a second string team we were blooding players we were trying out other players in different positions you know we saw a fairly rejig back row because of how stacked we are in options to try to get everyone a game but they went out did the job played some beautiful rugby at times italy you do feel for them they it shows like they're looking very promising they were good against england at times came within three points of them but you know they and they play a good brand of rugby they play fast attacking they hard-hitting rugby they're so passionate to play for their country but it's decision makings at times and you know you can only look into a victory over Italy so closely it's without a doubt like Andy Farrell was saying after the game that the Six Nations starts now we've got huge triple header of triple crown matches coming up against um, England, Wales and Scotland so you can't only look into that Italy victory so much but with the players that stood out there, they did the job, got bonus point win, we've maximum points, the only team to score 30 plus points and we've done it in, in both games as well. So definitely looking bright. The actual game itself was probably overshadowed a tiny bit by the young gentleman who sung Ireland's call before the game. Steve Mul- Stevie Mulrooney, 51,700 people in the crowd were absolutely enamoured by this young fellow. What was that like uh, from the press box witnessing him sing that? we were all standing up and obviously Iran Avine plays first very good and you know as soon as I heard little Stevie start singing I could not wipe the smile away from my face it's an anthem that gets 
you know, quite a lot of stick, let's say, from, from some parts of the Irish community that, you know, should we be singing it, should we not? It's the one we travel with. But I have never, ever heard a rendition of Ireland's Call as good as that. And it, I mean, it got the place rocking. It seemed to get the players going. There was a, you saw Andy Farrell when he was in, in the box himself watching and he, he couldn't stop laughing and smiling at him as well. He was fantastic. And I think it really encapsulates what it means, means to be uh, an Irish rugby fan. You know, young Stevie's never grown up without Ireland's Call being as the rugby anthem, like myself as well. And, you know, the passion from him and all I want is him to sing it at every single home game from now on. Obviously, what the IRFU are trying to do is recreate like that magic when you're in Wales and they, they they turn the music off, or Flower of Scotland, or you're in France. You know those type of anthems because look, Ireland's call it is what it is, right? It's it's trying to bring together everybody because as we know, it's not like the soccer team, which is a Republic of Ireland soccer team, twenty six. This is a full thirty two county team. So obviously, you do need to encapsulate everybody. I mean, probably you shouldn't really even see just a singular tricolor ever representing this team. You know, in the stands, for example, you know you need to see both. So I can see what they're trying to do, but this was a moment, and it was a lovely moment. And um, how they top it for the next game, I don't know. Let's talk about what's coming up then for the Irish rugby team. Triple Crown is amazing, actually. I always like the the fact that there is something to play for, like when, when they play for the Calcutta Cup in England, Scotland. You know, something a little bit different that's also beside the Six Nations Championship. Ireland will play against Wales. Actually, the next time Ireland play against Wales will be the last time Ireland versus Wales will be contested under Ireland wearing green, Wales wearing red because of the new uh, colourblind rules. But uh, we're up against Wales um, 24th of February, a week's time, quarter past two, Aviva Stadium. It's going to be an amazing occasion. I can't see any other results here. They mean an Ireland win, but maybe that might be too optimistic. No, I, I couldn't agree more with you. Over my lifetime, it's, it's probably the weakest Welsh outfit we've had. Then saying that, though, it's still a, a side run by Warren Gatland and you, you can never write him off, especially against Ireland. But they're a country who have been plagued with issues in their professional game over the past few years. They're 100% in a transitional period. They lost arguably their most talented player an hour before the Six Asia squad was announced with Lewis Rizamit declaring for the NFL and he's going to go over to the combine there. So it's going to be a different Welsh outfit, different Welsh threat, but there's no reason why we can't go and, and put on a, a another big, big performance and really make a statement and, and show really why we are going for back-to-back Grand Slams. So can't write them off. Going to have to be completely up for it again. But, you know, it won't be the, the same threat that Wales might have had four or five years ago. Only us and England can get the uh, the Grand Slam. We're actually sitting at uh, top of the table due to the way rugby do bonus points. So we've got 10 points. England have got, England have got eight points. I mean, we are playing England uh, a couple of weeks later um, in a kind of Twickenham clash, 9th of March. We're not getting that St. Patrick's Day clash that we've gotten in the past. We were playing Scotland, though, on the Saturday before St. Patrick's Day. What do you think are the chances of Ireland winning the tournament, but also have they got a shot at the Grand Slam or will England be the toughest test I think the way we started against France just set us up perfectly the way we're playing the I still don't feel like we have got out of second or third gear I think that the guys really have an agenda and to somewhat a point to prove after that World Cup because we went in as one of the favorites especially from the Northern Hemisphere and perhaps did not live up to that even though we beat South Africa in the group stage it then lost to New Zealand so I really believe that back-to-back Grand Slams is on and it's no small feat. I feel like perhaps it has been overshadowed a bit 
by the World Cup performance, but any other year, I've never ever remembered any Irish team or perhaps even any team that has been so heavily backed to do the Grand Slam again. It's not so long ago that Ireland were absolutely delighted with winning a triple crown and just accepting a defeat to France or wherever and a Six Nations would have been a bonus and a Grand Slam was out of nowhere. And I think the players really do believe that this back-to-back Grand Slam can be achieved because the way we're showing at the moment, the strength and depth that we have, the way we're playing, Obviously, having the best head coach in the world, there's no reason why we can't. Speaking, I'll thank you for talking about the Six Nations. I'm going to put you on the spot here. Andy Farrell, you've mentioned him, best head coach in the world. He's going to leave and go to the Lions. He's going to take some time off, right? Warren Gatland did that for Wales. Probably, like, it, it, it went okay for him, right? Where do we stand on, on Andy Farrell leaving to, to go to the Lions and still being the Irish manager, essentially? So it's going to, this year is going to be our last Six Nations of having Andy Farrell until after the Lions tour next year. So he's stepping away next year. Um, once he delivers back-to-back grandstands, I would be delighted with. And, you know, if he was overlooked for that Lions job, I would be asking serious questions because he really is a standout candidate for the job, especially from the Northern Hemisphere as well. Maybe not the biggest Lions clash of all time due to how Australia have performed in recent years. But, you know, it's an amazing honour for him. Who would I like to see fill in his shoes next year? One name is screaming in my mind, and I would love to see Paul O'Connell step into that head coach role. You know, an an absolute legend when it comes to Irish rugby, an amazing player, seems to be a fantastic coach in the back room. He's already in Andy Farrell's backroom staff. So I do think that we'll be good at that. He's already been blooded in, sees how the Irish setup works. He's been there for so many years. And he's still going to have the same pool of players to choose from, hopefully. So next year, without Andy Farrell, going to be tough, going to be a bit different. But, you know, I'd love Paulie to, to fill in. It's not a not a bad shout, to be fair. I always think Leo Cullen deserves a shot at this eventually. I mean, what he's done with Leinster has been absolutely incredible. So maybe when Andy Farrell steps away, but I mean, Paul O'Connell, he's going to be knocking at that door when Andy Farrell does decide to step down. Luke Delaney, FM 104 News and Sports Team. Thank you very much. You can, of course, follow everything that Luke does on FM104.ie on the sports section there. He will be attending, no doubt, Ireland versus Wales in the, on the 24th of February at Aviva Stadium. He will bring you all the covers there, Luke, I'm assuming. Brilliant, absolutely. Yes, everything will be coming coming your way soon. Brilliant, Luke. Thank you very much. Brilliant, Kieran. Thanks, Mel.